Hey, Fungo Banner fans, welcome back to another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banner podcast. I am Eric Sorensen here in Big Country Studios in Ellenberg, Washington. Going to bring on Jason and Kelly here in just a minute. Excited for another episode. We're back. A couple week hiatus. A Northwest guy. Lower Columbia Community College, Tacoma Community College, University of Washington. Now with the Minnesota Twins as the hitting coordinator, mental guru, best beard in the league. Donegal Fergus joins us today. Guys, this is such a good episode. We had to break it down into two different episodes. So here's episode one coming your way. Donegal Fergus. Please make sure to check out our sponsor, Safeguard, all the swag that we've been releasing. The other part, the silhouette shirts, silhouette hats from Shirtworks here in town in Ellensburg. And don't forget the official fungo of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter podcast, Devo Bats. Go check everybody out online. Let them know that you're a listener of the Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter. Guys, there will be a code coming out here soon for a little discount on Devo Bats, so stay tuned for that. Well, without further ado, here's part one. All right, Banner fans, we're back with our guest this week, the Minnesota Twins, mental hitting guru, the hitting coordinator, also known as the best beard in the league, Donegal Fergus. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for gussing up my title for me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Heck yeah. So right away, what's your favorite fungo? Uh, I don't hit fungos. I'm a hitting coordinator. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I literally, I, I don't hit fungos anymore, guys. I, I've retired from fungo. I did hit fungos today, and I had to find a fungo. I had to rummage around in the closet to find a fungo because I don't, I don't do it anymore. Um, my favorite fungo would be any fungo that Billy Boyer hits because he really loves his fungo work and crushes on the fungo. So I, I just like watching Bill hit it, um, but I am, I am semi-retired from the fungo game. The follow-up is, is we, we've we've known on your, your Twitter comments just how much you truly miss hitting infield, outfield, and, and the efficiency <laughs> and e- efficacy of doing such, you know. So I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you're really just crying yourself to sleep each night just knowing yeah. how much you, you miss that. I miss you watching me do it, KG. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's been one of the most uh... – talked about responses on the Twitter for one of our posts about the whole infield outfield thing. So I, I, we truly appreciate that part. <laughs> Bang it. Bang it. <laughs> Bang it. <laughs> so kind of talk us through, when did you know that you wanted to get started in coaching and how have each of your stops along the way prepared you for your current job with the twins? Um, I, I don't, I don't know when I wanted to start coaching. I don't remember it being, thing necessarily that I was growing into or anything. I got hurt. I, I was, you know, I was a small college player, um, was really small and, and sort of really had to fight to get um, a lot of recognition and, and, and learn how to play because I was just, I was a little guy. I was like 127 pounds when I went to college. So I, I, I was always so preoccupied with fighting, you know, to get on the field and play and get better and, um, that I never really thought about, well, what comes when they tell me I can't play anymore? I, I, I didn't really have a, have a thought process on that end. I was, 
I think I changed my major four times in my first two years. Um, and I, I just, I was just trying to keep going. Um, I got hurt a bunch and spent way more time in the training room at the end than I did on the field. And, um, I, you know, I went to Linfield and so Scott Carnahan was, he was the first one and I, I give him credit. I said, he was the first one to recognize that I was more helpful off of the field than I was actually on it. So, um, he put me to work. Like he just sort of said, Hey, you're smart. You, you, you know, you understand the game pretty well. Why don't we, why don't we give you something to do while you're rehabbing again? Um, and so I started watching with a little bit more of that eye and I thought, Oh, this is kind of fun. And, and mostly it was just, I felt helpful again. Like I felt like a part of it. That's, you know, I mean, anybody that's been hurt in the training room, you just feel like you're separated and you're, you're the odd man out and everybody's leaving you behind and it just sucks because you just you can't contribute anything. And that, that was really difficult for me. Um, so he, he sort of put me to work doing that. Um, and I, and I enjoyed it. It was fun and I could help. And, and I started to watch the game with a little bit different perspective. And um, I started to listen to, to the coaches more about what they were trying to tell us versus just, you know, what normal players do, which is, all right, great. I'll, I'll go do it if you tell me to, but um, you know, the depth of understanding there, you know, you, you usually get later in life, but um, so I just sort of went with it. And then um, as I'm trying to figure out after I graduated, what I'm going to do, uh, I was going to go to grad school. I was going to do, uh, I got a degree in political science. I was going to go FBI or government service, something in that realm and, and was going to do maybe international affairs. It was all set to do the grad school thing. And um, my uncle, uh, Kelly Smith, who was that longtime head coach at Lower Columbia College, um, said, hey, you know, if you want to try this coaching thing, why don't you come up and I'll give you a job and I'll put you to work. And, and, and what do you think? Like, may, maybe just give it a shot. Are you sure you want to do this? Um, my, his mother, so my grandmother was, living alone in Longview, um, going through cancer treatment. And so the family was sort of like, oh, this is great. You can live with grandma and help her out and someone to be there and it won't cost you any money. You can see if you like this. And, and I, the more I thought about it, I thought, sure, you know, it, I wasn't done with, you know, I think, again, any of us, most of us have the game taken away before we're really ready. And so you, you sort of, don't ever get to end on your own terms. And so I, I certainly fell into that category. I wasn't ready to be done with it. And, and so I thought, well, why not? Like, yeah, this sounds fun. And, and it's my uncle who I revered and, and uh, was, you know, an idol of mine growing up. I, I, you know, he, I just, I loved everything about every time we got together as family, because he would catch with me for hours. And you know, he was, he was sort of my baseball idol. So I thought this would be a fun experience. And, and who, who knows, like, we'll see what happens. And, I was certainly ready with a backup plan. I was going to, I kept the grad school thing in the back pocket in case I needed it. Um, but that's what got me into it. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what I was doing, certainly. And I didn't know where I was going with it, but I thought it would be fun to try and I wasn't ready to be done. So um, I went up there and started coaching with him and, and haven't done anything else. So away I went. Coach. You've done a fantastic job in, in the Northwest. You're a Northwest guy. Tell us a little bit about what the Northwest coaching tree is, um, why it's so special, and, and, and who's helped you most of the way throughout your career uh, getting up to where you're at today. Yeah, the, 
the Northwest tree is really cool. It's, it's, a, it's a special thing. And I, I think it's, it's continued to grow. And I think the last couple of years have been just um, a renaissance for the Northwest coaching tree. When you look at the, you look at some of the guys that are in just the, our big league crew right now with um, our young guys like Craig Driver and, and Kainoa and, and, and Swanee in the big league with those jobs. Bud Black, you know, who, who's sort of the, uh, one of the front runners of that, you know, played at Lower Columbia as my uncle's best friend and, and, and someone I've known forever, um, you know, has been around in the big leagues forever. Um, it's really cool. And then all, you know, Billy and I here with the twins and, and Sadie with the twins and, I mean, and Raz, and we've got a bunch of people that are spread around. And then, and then all of the guys that are still in the Northwest too. And it's, it's just, I don't know, it, it, it feels like a fraternity. It feels like you're, you're, if you're one of them, you like, even if you don't know the guy, if you are both Northwest coaches, you're like, wow, I'm sure we're homies anyway, even though we haven't met each other. <laughs> you just, you just have that vibe with, with them because we know what we've all gone through to coach in the Northwest. It's, it's not for the faint of heart for sure. Um, it's never glamorous. Um, and I, you know, I don't know how I could even begin to, to start to count the number of people that have helped me. Uh, certainly it starts with my uncle, um, Kelly Smith, I just, a legend and he he made me into the coach i am i am i'm very little like him like we are very very different people as anybody who's listening to this who knows both of us would tell you um very different people but he made me the coach i am i am i am not in this business anymore i don't start with him i think um it wasn't always fun it wasn't always easy but he he made me into the coach i am and then all of the coaches that you run into along the way I think part of it is that challenge of we, we all are, are working so hard in the Northwest to get noticed or to be good and to prove ourselves. There's a chip on all of our shoulders, I think, collectively. Um, that makes it, that makes everybody better. I, I just go back to, and we make NWAC jokes, you know, when we were off air before we started, I made an NWAC joke, but I tell everybody that every young coach, every coach that asks me those sorts of questions, like, you should coach in junior college. Like everyone should do it because it makes you a better coach. You have to do everything. And the NWAC is the perfect example. Of that. There's no money. There's, there's no facilities. There's no glamor. There's, there's no buses. There's just, it's, it's such a grind and it's purely coaching. You have to, you have to do all of those things. And I, I just think back to my days as an assistant at lower Columbia and then, you know, as a head coach at Tacoma and then back as one year at lower Columbia and the battles that, you have with with guys like you know mark yoshino and um and, and you know even back to my my first when i first started out scott rogers and and donnie marbet and and gabe sandy and dale stebbins and and all of those guys and then and then certainly my contemporaries that, that, that we came up through coaching against each other in the nwac just incredible battles and and they made you better and you had to figure it out how to beat those guys because they were your peers they, they were your, your biggest rivals and um uh, it made me such a better coach to have to go through that because you know i remember getting my first head coaching job i'm five years into this thing i've been an assistant coach for five years and i get a head coaching job and i think that i'm the guy ever i'm going to change the whole thing i've got all these great ideas i'm just going to set the world on fire and then it hits you right in the face like you don't know anything and you are clueless about this thing and all of the things that you, you you wanted to try, it's just hard to do because you don't have the resources or the manpower or the help to do it or the players to do it. And 
I, I think about just the environment that we've all gone through and, and it's just such a powerful learning environment. And if you can survive it and you choose to survive it, you're going to be, you're going to be a pretty damn good coach because it is not for the faint of heart. And I, I, we've all seen guys drop off along the way, right? I, I want to go make some money. I'm going to get a real job or I just can't do it anymore. My wife's just, she's done with me the job, you know, it's, it's too much. I can't do it. Or they cut the funding for this and I can't do it anymore. And just all those stories along the way, I, I think, I think is just, uh, it's a testament to the people in the Northwest. Um, and I, I would, I just, I wouldn't be here today if I didn't go through that kind of arm. So I'm thankful to all the coaches I ever coached against and, and certainly the ones I worked with because um, they, they helped me, helped me get here today for sure. Well, Ferg, now at uh, let's move it present tense. You're you're in St. Paul or, or in Minneapolis, yeah. one of those twin cities, at uh, that alternate uh, playing site there. But but kind of walk us through what's that like. I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of parallels to schools like ours that don't have a chance to outside competition this fall. You know, staring at that potential reality for the spring. So, what's kind of that been like for you and 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 maybe people listening can take away, you know, keeping guys motivated on a daily basis, knowing that they're not going to get out and put on a uniform and be able to compete against someone other than themselves for, you know, a three to four month period. Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible challenge. And, and as we were talking before we, we turned the recording stuff on, there's a real, um, there's a real challenge just from the standpoint of we, we don't have other teams to play. So trying to get games, action is really difficult for us. And most of our pitching has been used um, on the big league side, or certainly it's, it's built around being ready for the big league needs. And so our, our challenge on the offensive side certainly is trying to get guys in game shape because they might be needed, but we don't have enough pitching necessarily to play games every day. And so it's kind of drip, drip, drip with the at-bats. Oh, we, we got two at-bats today. Um, and then tomorrow you might get four, but only four guys are going to get four. Everybody else is going to get one. And so you, you get to the end of your week and you've had six or seven at-bats and they've been you know, spaced out over the week. That's a real challenge for professional players who are used to playing every single day. And it's hard to get in a rhythm. It's hard to stay motivated. Well, what am I really doing here? And we have a mix. Our group is interesting. It's mostly our AAA squad. What would have been our AAA squad? We have some certainly some prospects that would have been maybe starting at AA. But – and so everybody's in a little bit different places. We have the savvy veterans. We have, you know, Drew Maggi, who's 31 years old and is, is you know, basically Crash Davis has been playing forever um, and is, you know, is really solid and could go to the big leagues right now and, and help. But he's there as just insurance. Like, there's no development really with him. He's, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to get himself ready. But it's a challenge because our roster is so loaded at the big league level that he knows that there's a very, very slim chance that he gets called over there. So he's got to stay ready in his current state without a ton of really what would be true development work on his, on his plate. And then you have Royce Lewis, who's our, you know, the number one pick overall a few years ago is not big league ready, but it's pretty close. And his job here is to develop and get better. So he knows that he doesn't necessarily need as many game at bats, but his job is to, to work on his skill set so that he can be ready next year but he's still a player and wants to play games and wants to get in there and needs those at-bats. And um, we face that challenge every day, trying to figure out how to, how, to, how to get everybody ready. Guys are feeling a little bit of the doldrums right now. We've been here over a month. 
So the, the excitement of not being on, on your couch anymore and being back in a little bit, they're certainly appreciative that they get to be a part of this and they're, they're included in the, in the 60 man player pool. But it's still, it's still human nature to go, all right, wh what are we doing today? Oh, BP again today. Cool. Right on. No game. Oh, no, okay. Cool. We'll take BP then. Um, there's, a, you know, there's a little bit of that going on and, and we, we, we certainly struggle with it. The advantage that I have is they're all professionals. And so I don't have to go, hey, trust me, pay off in two years. Like, I'm not making that message. That's what a high school kid needs to think, right? I know this sucks, but it's going to pay off for you in the long run. You will outlast your competitors. You will outlast your peers. You know, that's a motivational uh, challenge for sure. My guys, I just tell them, hey, suck it up. I, I get it. It sucks. But let's go to work. You know, we're all in this together. Let's go to work. And they'll go, yeah, you're right. All right, let's go. Um, it isn't that they, they turn it off, but they can get back pretty quickly because they're, that's their job, you know, and, they, and they're that close to the big leagues. They're not going to give up on that at this point. So I think the challenge for, and I, you know, it's high school, it's college kids. There's so many baseball players out there. And then most of our organization, the, you know, those guys are at home wondering, you know, what have I, what have I lost this year? I have a whole year of development that I've lost. And I was supposed to start in high A this year. This was going to be my, my moving year. I was going to make a big jump. I was going to make some strides. I was going to get called up to double A. And I would be off and running. And now I didn't play one single game. And so we deal with that. I, I'm on the phone with, with our affiliate staff and, 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 and those players daily and weekly to check in and make sure they feel connected and, and that we still care and that we're still worried about their development. And our affiliate staff are doing an amazing job. They're, they're doing video swaps with guys and, check-ins and, and we've even had a couple of them that are able to, to connect because they're close enough physically that they're able, you know, our, our double A ballpark opened up. So we had a couple of guys pop over there and, and, and our double A hitting coach went over, got to spend a little time. So we're doing what we can on that end. I, you know, I think the kids back home and around the country that are getting squeezed out of games and, and that sort of thing, you, you have to, you have to summon that, that intestinal fortitude to say, how important is this to me? Like, is this, does it matter enough for me to say, all right, I'm going to just put my head down and, and trust my coaches to get me through it or my dad or my mom in the backyard, even if it, if it means that, how important is it to me? Do I love it enough to keep going? It's a little bit like the coaching analogy where if you made it through coaching more than five or 10 years in the Northwest and you really loved it, right? You wouldn't have done it otherwise. And I think that's what you have to decide. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if this makes me feel better or worse, but, you know, we were talking with, with my boss the other day, our director of player development about our, what, you know, what we're going to miss out on from a development standpoint this year with our, our lower level guys. And I said, honestly, the players that are meant to be really good players are going to work. They're going to figure something out. They're going to find a way to get somewhere where they can get some work done. And the ones that weren't going to make it are, are not going to make it. They're just, we're sealing their fate. Um, the ones that are, are determined and, and truly driven, they're going to find a way as, uh, as we know, whether, whatever the situation might be. So I think that's the challenge as parents or coaches of your players is you sort of have to, have to be honest with them. Like, Hey, if you love it enough, you'll do it. And if you don't, then okay. Then you'll pick it up whenever the game resumes and you'll play out the string and it's probably going to be over before, before too long. Yeah, I think we'll see that even not not only at the professional level, but all the way down from college to high school to even, I mean, the little league side of it's a little bit more tougher, but 
just the kids that put the effort of working in, you know, taking the tee out in the backyard or just playing a little bit of catch at the park or doing those little extra things. I mean, I think we'll definitely see it a little bit more, you know, at the professional level, but most importantly, as it kind of gets down to the, even the high school level, I mean, um, you'll see those guys is just, just going to develop just next, you know, spring, you're going to have guys that they're going to just be outstanding. You know, they're just going to draw themselves so much farther along than that original group of guys. And you're going to say, I see what that guy's been doing, you know? That's yeah. I, I think motivation. And I, I certainly think we can help young people with motivation. I think there are certainly powerful tools that we can give them to unlock it within themselves, but ultimately it's hard to motivate someone who isn't intrinsically motivated. It's hard to push them if there's not something in there that says, I sort of am crazy about this thing. Like I, I just, I'm, I'm sort of obsessed. Like, I, I think you see the great players have that and it manifests itself in different ways, but there's something in there. You're like, that kid's a little bit different. He's just kind of crazy. He always wants to go to the ballpark or always wants to hit, or he's always doing something, you know, he's, there's some, internal discipline and a lot of times kids don't even understand it they just it's just sort of in there and it, and it and it drives them without them being necessarily terribly aware of it but it's certainly in there like we we have a northwest kid on our roster here trevor larnick um um played at oregon state he's from northern california but um, played at oregon state was obviously a great player there and and we, we laugh at each other all the time because he's like am i difficult to coach like am i difficult i think i, I feel like i'm difficult and i said well, I mean, maybe, yeah, you are kind of difficult because you're a psychopath. <laughs> you just are crazy about this stuff. And it you won't stop. Like he'll send me text messages. He's like two floors up and he sends me text messages at 10 o'clock at night. He's doing dry reps in his bathroom mirror to try and get his <laughs> landing spot figured out. He's like, do I look like I'm 50-50 right now? I think I feel like I'm off a little bit. Like that's you know, he's a psycho, but that's also why he's gonna be a 10-year big league. So kind of the follow-up, you talked a little bit about it, but, you know, through this, the the development stage of the guys you're with on a daily basis, how much is there between, is there more emphasis on development or is there more emphasis on being a competing level of being ready to go for when the calls come? We, we have a real split with our group here. Um, like I said, we have some older guys that are, are, are there specifically because they're ready. Like they're on the older side. We've got some big league service time. Um, for them, it's about trying to get them in game shape. It's about getting them some, some visual reps so they're, they're ready on their timing. And, and they just sort of maintenance stuff with them. There, there's a few of them that we've made some swing adjustments, but you know, nothing major, no overhauls at that point. They are, they are guys that are there specifically to, to be ready in case, you know, in case of emergency brick class. They got to go over and, and help out. And then we have the Trevor Larnix, Royce Lewis, um, Gilberto Celestino, who's one of our, probably would have started in, in IA um, this year for us, um, but is they are the future of our organization, and they see development with them. We are, we are getting their swings uh, to the point where they can go compete at the big league level. It's fine-tuning. It's not swing overhauls, certainly, but it's fine-tuning mechanics, it's fine-tuning approach, it's, it's understanding preparation better, it's how to read an advanced scouting report better. Um, it's how to put that information into practice. So there's certainly competitive elements in those guys, but the focus is on development. We can take a day and just say, hey, listen, we don't care what happens today. We're going to try something and we'll see wh where we end up. It's not directly about, all right, we've got to get him X number of at-bats this week because he might get the call to go on the taxi squad and travel to Milwaukee with the big club. 
So it's, it's an interesting split. And there's only, there's two of us, there's myself and then um, Matt Bork Schulte, who's our AAA hitting coach. We're the only two, you know, quote unquote hitting guys here. So it's, it's the two of us um, with a group of, of about 17 position players to get them ready with a, with a, a very different split in what their focuses are. Um, it helps that they're certainly professional and they know what they want to do. I don't have to create a, a detailed plan for every guy every day because they drive that. When, when Drew Maggi comes into the cage, I go, Drew, what are we doing today, man? And he's got a plan. I don't have to draw that up for him. So that's fun, um, certainly from a, from a coaching standpoint, because I get to work with guys who are um, really in charge of their craft and ask really good questions and are really engaged. So it's, it's incredibly fun on a daily basis because it's, it's, yes, it's the same, but um, the conversations you get to have with, with guys about small tweaks and small things that they notice, it's fascinating and really invigorating because they make you better because they, they challenge you. You know, they'll, if, if you suggest a drill or a fix for something and they go, hmm, I don't know. Okay, walk me through what you mean there. You better be on it. Like you can't have made it up. Uh, you can't you can't BS your way through these guys. They're on it because they they know. Um, but that's fun. So we we try and balance a little bit of uh, of that every day. There's a development portion in the morning usually, and then we have some sort of competition. Uh, usually it's tried some sort of game action, whether it's machine or coach pitch, and then certainly as many live innings as we can get against our our arms. Uh, we try and balance that. We also will have sometimes we'll just have a development day where, hey, it's swing work today and we're, we're going a little bit slower and we're taking a little more extended BP and we're, we're going to try some stuff out. We're going to feel our way through some things. So um, we balance it the best we can. I think that's the, the art of coaching in general is what do your players need and understanding how to read the room and read your players' needs, um, balancing that with whatever your team might need or, or you feel is necessary in the progression. But ultimately, what you do every day is figure out what your players need to get better. And it's no different here. It's just, it's just, it's easier, frankly, because the guys are better. The players are really good. So they, they, they set a standard that is, is, uh, is easily seen across the board. And then, and then we just get to, we get to jump in and, and help guide them. Hey, Banner fans. This is Glenn Walker from Auburn Mountain View, and you are listening to the Pacific Northwest Fungo Banner Podcast. Go Lions! Well, Ferg, we're going to roll into the seventh inning stretch portion of the podcast. And we're going to talk hitting here in a little bit, but the first well, I want to talk about some mental game stuff. And, and yeah. I feel like now we talk about this a lot in the podcast and especially this year, uh, 2020, it's so important. And if anybody's ever studied the mental game, they know how important routines are. And it's a, a large part of the day and making sure you're comfortable with what you're doing. So talk us through the mental game routines that players may go through on a daily basis. And, and are you seeing it more of a need now this year? That's a good question. I, I don't know if it's more. I, I think it's, I think we have more time to focus on it now because we don't get to be on the field as much. So I think it maybe feels like we need it more. I, I'm not sure that that's ever really true. I think, I think competition and the daily grind of games create as much um, need for, for mental awareness and, and um, structure and, and development as, as anything. But I certainly think it's more heightened because we have more time to focus on it right now. Um, I, I, you know, the challenges that, that we see in our guys are certainly expectations. We have players that have, have deal with enormous expectations. You know, their first round picks, um, 
you know, I mentioned Royce Lewis, who's, who's going to be a really good big leaguer. He's the first pick overall in the draft a couple of years ago. Well, his, his, one of his best friends just got called up to the angels, um, Joe Adele. Um, so he sees a contemporary of his, he's now in the big leagues and he's like, is it, what does that mean? You know, and, and even subconsciously, he just starts to, to question that. Are, are people thinking I should already be there? Or am I behind? And so we have guys that are dealing with enormous expectations. And they have to manage those in a way that's um, beneficial to them, not uh, a hindrance, obviously. So we use that as, as leverage to get them to uh, push themselves even farther. And they're, like I said, most of them are pretty pretty intrinsically motivated anyway. But then when you say, you, you are this good, so that's why I care about the fact that your elbow was you know, a little bit off or your, or your toe placement might be a half an inch off of what it was when you were really rolling. That's why that stuff matters. Otherwise I wouldn't care. Like if you were just, if you were just an eighth round pick, just fighting and, and scrapping and clawing to get there, you know, maybe we wouldn't worry about that stuff, but this matters because you're that good. And so it gives you an in to, to push them in, in other ways. Uh, and they usually love that too. I mean, they, they pretty quickly get back to that. For us, it's, it's more about challenging them than it is sort of repairing them, I would say, which is, different than I, than I certainly encountered in, in, in my time in college. There was a lot of repair that sometimes had to happen. You had to get guys through a particularly down period or, or a, a, you know, a, a stretch of their lives where they're wondering what's next. Is, is the end of the road coming for me? Am I going to get a chance? You know, when you're in junior college, am I going to get a chance to play past that? Am I going to get a chance to play Division One? And then you're in Division One, and am I going to get a chance to play pro ball? And those things are they're really stressful for young, young people. And so a lot of that was trying to keep them focused on how good they could be and just, just focused on, on continuing every day. Um, our guys, I don't worry about them not showing up tomorrow. It's, it's more about how far can we push them and how great can they be? Uh, it's, it's still human nature though. We still battle insecurities and anxieties and stress. Um, and, and we have to manage that. We have to understand that we can't just go, well, hey, your your triple A guys, suck it up. You're fine. Don't worry. You know, stop whining. You know, they're still human beings. They're still, you know, for some of them, they're still 20 year old kids. So um, to act like those things aren't going to crop up in, in their in their minds is crazy. It's just a, a little bit different focus, and they're typically a little more equipped to deal with um, the the stress, the daily stressors that young people are. But I think anybody that coaches these days has to have some sort of understanding of this. Like I, I grew up like a lot of, you know, a lot of my peers where you didn't question your coach because he was your coach. And that was just, you, cause you weren't going to find any information anywhere else. So you just assumed that they knew everything because there wasn't information. We didn't have Twitter to find swing techniques and we didn't have YouTube to watch videos. We didn't have any of that. You didn't, you trusted your coaches implicitly because they were your coaches and you assumed that they knew what they do. And, and I had good coaches and I had some bad coaches, but you just, you started from a different place. And, and as much as I think some coaches these days, you, you know, it's easy to sort of complain. My kids these days don't listen to their coaches as much or, or they question things more or they don't just do what we want them to do. I, I think, well, why is that? Think about that. They, they have more information than we ever had. My players today, and, and I would go back to my, you know, my last years in college, my players walked in the door in college as freshmen with more information than I started coaching. Like, I believe that. 
I was making it up as I went early. I was figuring it out and I played catch up. And, and I think it's what drove me to be decent at my job was that I really wanted to learn more. But kids have more access to information than before. Now with that comes more anxiety about it because it isn't a straight line to success. Like, oh, well, I know things, or I know what the swing is supposed to look like when Mike Trout does it. That doesn't mean that I'm less stressed about myself being a good player or trying to get to that level. So I think coaches these days need to be armed more with uh, understanding of human nature and, 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 and some emotional intelligence uh, versus just straight line baseball knowledge. Even. I, I think it's so important to understand where your kids are coming from. And if you're coaching high school, you probably know where your kids are coming from because you know them a little more personally, you know, their families and you know a little bit more about them. And they're all from the same area, obviously. So you can understand their anxieties, maybe from a um, off the field standpoint in college, you've recruited them probably. So you may have a little bit more knowledge, but you still don't know all the details of their home life <clears throat> or the things in their past. So that's a challenge to get to know them. And then in pro ball, they're coming from all over the place. And I've, we have, we have players from Venezuela and who haven't been home in years because it's too dangerous to go. So think about the anxieties that that person deals with. And especially during a pandemic, they don't know if their family's safe and healthy. Coaching is so much more than just the, the game knowledge anymore. And I think anybody who doesn't think that that's important is just kidding themselves. And you can wish that it was back to a simpler time of players didn't know anything and they just listened to you, but it isn't what we're dealing with. Um, and I think it's what makes it great too. I, I've always loved the relationship piece of this game. That's why it's what sustains me. It's what, it's what keeps me connected to the Northwest and, and all the great people and the coaches that I've, I've grown to know. And that's what being a coach, I think, for the most part is with players these days. It's about creating a relationship that's going to sustain them through the ups and downs and, and get them to where they want to go and, and make them a, the player that hopefully they can be. Look, I know at, at Washington, and, and I know you took this to San, Santa Barbara and, and guys had a lot of success down there, is, is some of those specific routines and, and mental skills that you talked about with guys on a daily basis. And just a couple of weeks back, we had Hannah Huseman on who, who works with the, the Phillies and does work there. Um, have you taken somewhat of a backseat to some of those things now with the Twins? Is it still kind of intertwined? um with some of that daily practice stuff that you work on with guys yeah I, I think the the format of it has changed a little bit um we certainly we did a ton of it when i got to santa barbara and, and certainly washington it was a huge part of our routine breathing exercises and and, and all of those daily um check-ins and, and and tactics that we we tried to instill in our guys here we have a sports psych team so we have um we have a crew, they're based out of uh, Minneapolis, so they're close by. Um, we have two Spanish-speaking um, uh, sports psychologists on staff, and then, uh, and then two other ones as well. So we have four people that help us on a, that are always available to us. So they take the lead on a lot of stuff and sort of the larger group initiatives, um, sort of the overarching program of sports psychology with us. But the day-to-day -day stuff is still, is still myself and, and our affiliate coaches. <coughs> Excuse me. So I'm still talking to players about, hey, you know, how are you doing today? You know, are you, are you feeling better about your at-bats from yesterday? Um, how does your work feel? You feel prepared? What do you think about the advance report? All right, we went over your, your swing decision map from yesterday or for the last week. You know, what does that do to your brain? You feeling confident? And, and how's your journaling going? And we have guys that are in a lot of different places. We have, we have a 
segment that really likes to journal and write stuff down and take a lot of notes. Some guys just crush video uh, and they, that wraps their head around their process. So they, they watch themselves and they sort of work through it. And then they, they have questions and it's a conversation, but they need to talk it out. And then we have some guys that are, are pretty internal and we need to make sure that they're taking some quiet time and, and getting their, their, their heads where they need to be. Um, some guys really compartmentalize and, and sort of suppress a lot of things. And those are the guys that we tend to, to want to connect with our, our sports psych people because they're a little more trained on, on the in-depth stuff. And there's usually something else percolating in there. Um, but obviously, like I said, coaching is relationships. And so my relationships on a daily basis are always, you know, intertwined with some sort of mental um, practice or, or, or what we call peak performance. Um, and a lot of people are, are, I think, trying to use that term more so than mental skills, even just because I think the connotation is what's the purpose of it? It's to make you the best version of you, right? And that peak performance idea is what our guys are shooting for. Um, but every day I do something with our guys along the line. It just takes a little bit different format because it's so much more individualized here than, you know, than in college where you can say everybody's going to do basically the same thing because it's that you're all mostly in the same place in your life. Coach, you, you kind of talked about it a little bit a few minutes ago here a little bit, but, you know, I mean, everything around us affects, you know, sometimes our, um, you know, all the outside distractions. We see a lot more on the high school side of it. You know, a kid breaks, girlfriend breaks up with him, you know, and he's got a big game and, you know, he's up at the plate and he's going over four and, you know, and it's just, you could see he's got a lot on, on the plate, you know, what, could you say to that coach that's listening, you know, you know, maybe, um, you know, some coaches have a harder time to maybe have that sense of connection with their athlete. You know, they can see there's something wrong, but they don't know the correct manner to approach that athlete. Um, what, you know, we have a lot of coaches are listening all throughout the country. What is that one thing you could say to that coach? You may be trying to figure that method. How do they connect with a, a kid that comes into a league doubleheader game and you can definitely see right on that first step on the field, there's something wrong, you know, and it could be related to things at home. It could be something that happened at school, maybe a, a great a test that they, you know, failed. I mean, I know as you get older, you're able to handle those outside elements a little bit more, but like you said earlier, we are all humans. We all deal with outside distractions that do affect our performance on the game, on the field. Yeah. I think the first thing is just listen just let your players know that you're there to listen. I think the first instinct that we all have is to fix it, right? Is, is, all right, well, my job is to help them. So I need to fix their problem. Sometimes it isn't, it isn't that simple. Like, and sometimes you won't know how to fix it. I, I have lots of times where I, I don't know how to fix this problem. Like, I don't know how to help you directly. I know how to listen to you and I know how to um, empathize with you. And I know how to connect you with somebody who, can really dive into this with you if needed. But I, I'm not always the, the right person to fix that. Um, I think understanding your own uh, <laughs> aptitudes and, and shortcomings is helpful too. I think if you're, if you're a person that struggles with that, like if, if communication and empathy and, um, and understanding are, are challenges for you just because it's, um, it's your personality type or you, didn't, you weren't raised with it. Or, I mean, there's lots of things. And not everybody is going to be great at this stuff. I, I, it's totally understandable. Um, but if you're open enough to, to understand where you're short, then usually you can fill in around, around the edges and, and find someone with, you know, maybe to help your program. Maybe you have a parent that's, that's really good at this and wants to 
you know, involve themselves and, um, and be helpful. Maybe, maybe there's someone on that. Maybe there's someone in the community that, that has some skills that you, you say, hey, could you, would you be on call for us or be on standby? Or can I lean on you for advice? Um, can I bring to you some problems that I'm facing that I'm going to have to deal with? And can you help guide me through this? I think resisting the urge to just try and create a solution immediately uh, is the best way to do it. Listen and then figure out what you need to do from there. I think if, if players understand that you're willing to listen and that you will help them through the process, even in, in understanding that it's not going to be necessarily a one-day fix because it never is. Like human nature and human frailty is, is never a one-day fix. There isn't something you can just, oh, you just have to breathe or you just have to visualize or you just have to journal a little bit. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. That's not how it works. It's, it's, it's like being a drunk. You know, it's, if you're a recovering alcoholic, it isn't, you just fix the problem. You're always fixing the problem. It's continual. That, and, and we talk about that in hitting specifically, like you're never done. You've never fixed the problem of hitting. You have never figured it out. You're continually trying to figure it out every day. And if you just understand that, that it's never end, it's never going to end. And you're never going to turn the corner completely. Then both sides can, can agree to work together on that. And I think that's what most kids want and, and our guys are kids in a lot of ways. They're certainly some of them are older, but ultimately what they value most is just someone who will listen to them and not judge them and not do something about it um, that they're not ready for. And I think that it's the hardest human beings struggle with this overall. If, if, if you have something going on and you, you want someone to listen to you, you want someone to listen to you, but you also want someone who's not going to run off and tell someone that you don't want to know about it. And it's not going to judge you and it's not going to affect your standing, right? And it's why people don't tell their boss stuff because they're worried. Like, well, is this going to affect my job standing? Or is this going to, you know, I don't, I don't want to tell this person of, of control over me because maybe they'll, they'll get rid of me or maybe they'll think poorly of me or this will affect me down the road. So I think you just need it. And I hate to use the word safe environment to do that because I think people hear that and they go connotation of some sort of soft skill or something and, and it's oh safe space like well we don't need that we need to toughen kids up like it's not that it's just it, it's someone that they can trust that's it like, trust now and because the message might be needs to be hey you need to toughen up you're whining for nothing man and sometimes that's real like we acknowledge that too and and being the person that they trust then they'll listen to that you know oh shit, okay i guess i guess i need to i need to get it together i'm i'm, I'm being being a crybaby about this and I need to, I need to move on and, and my life is, is pretty good. So I'll stop complaining. That's a lot of the cases I think, but you can't get that message through if, if that person doesn't trust you. And I think that's what it's all about. And again, I, I always get nervous when, when I have these conversations with, you know, with, when you don't really have enough time to, to talk through every phase of it, because I think people sometimes just prejudge this stuff um, and people prejudge everything. Right. So, some people are going to listen to this and go, oh, mental skills, stupid, toughen up. And my day, we didn't have mental skills. And, you know, good players don't need to do this. And I, okay, sure. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about coddling people. We're not talking about creating safe places where you can, you, you don't have, it doesn't have to be hard. Like, that's not what this is. It's, it's being honest about human beings having issues pop up and being scared and, and being anxious and being, being troubled by things. And, just it's the reality of life and um i i think if we prejudged less on a lot of this stuff we would be better at it you know it's it's like i, I think 
you guys were going to ask about the, the whole launch angle thing and that's coming up. And <laughs> I, I think that's certainly another area where we prejudge and we don't even know what we're talking about. Right. Like that's what we've, we've, we've attached some sort of meaning to these things and, and mental skills more than anything. And, and it, it isn't what it, we're talking about. It's, it's being there for people. And your job ultimately is to be a teacher, right? And, and a guide. That's what we're talking about. And if you're not open enough to listen and create a, 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 a trust connection, then what are you really doing? You know, that's so, so true because, you know, I remember a long time ago, I had a guy come up to me and Graham, we were out of bar late at night and he just went off about how baseball's terrible for youth and, and it's just teaching them how the, it's okay to fail. And I was like, no, no, no. And it's a lot like the mental skills and what you talk about. We're not trying to teach them to coddle them. We're trying to teach them so that they can handle when life hits you and smacks you smack dab in the face. Are you going to, are you going to quit? Are you going to lay down? Or are you going to you know compartmentalize it? and find a way to overcome the issue at hand and be successful in baseball, successful in life. And the people that don't understand that, it's like, guys, we're trying to teach them a skill so that they can handle everything that's thrown their way, whether it's baseball or, or everyday stuff. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're just trying to give them something to get better at it, right? It's not – because otherwise, what are we doing? We're saying, hey, there's a segment of, of people who do this instinctively and don't need a lot of help getting through these tough times. If they're the only ones that are going to get to succeed because we're going to we're going to push everyone else away because you weren't tough enough, right? That's that to me doesn't make any sense. We, we all know, like I would hope, I certainly feel this way. I was not very mentally tough as a, as a young player. I wasn't. I was emotional. I was a wreck. I was angry. I was a disaster. And I really wish I would have developed some of these skills earlier because I do. I now know that I have it in me to push through hard times and difficulties and overcome stuff. And, and I. I just needed someone to help me figure out how to do it. I wanted to. I just had no idea how to do it. And I played with a ton of players who were really, really good at it. And it seemed like, man, nothing ever bothers you. And they're like, no, I don't know. And good for them. Yeah. Like, those guys are great. I love coaching them, too, because they're so low maintenance. They're like, you good today? You're like, yeah, join another homer. Cool. Um, I just think, why are we leaving people behind? Because they don't already know how to do something. It's like, do we not – do we not work with the pitcher who doesn't throw strikes yet? He throws hard, but he doesn't throw strikes. Well, hey, don't throw strikes. See ya. Got to get out of here. No, we try and teach the kid how to throw strikes or bunt or, or you know, swing the bat better. Like, we work on all those skills. Why are we not working on the other skills? Just because we wish they already had them? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Fergal, why don't we talk about, and we've had a lot of people mention this too, is just that realness factor. You know, and, and that's everything in life, having a conversation. If, if you're phony, you come off as fake or – or try to be someone that you're not, you know, players and people really see through that in a, in a heartbeat, you know, and, and everyone has shortcomings. And, and I think a lot of us as younger coaches trying to figure out what those might be to either connect people with the right people that can do it right. Or, and to, to connect with those people or, or just find a way for them to see that, like, it's okay for me also to be bad at something, you know, Yes, you have a problem, but I can't solve it, and that's okay. But let's talk this this through together and try to find a common good. But I, I think that, that that realness factor is such a key to the relationships and both sides understanding that one's not the dominant and the, and the inferior and, and just trying to deal with people on a daily basis. And KG, you, you know this from our time together. I, I think understanding, too, that certain players are going to connect with certain coaches differently sure. is okay. Sure. Like – 
I don't have to be always be the, the, the lead guy with, with guys that, that need this stuff. Right? Sometimes, you know what? Hey, it's, it's the, 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 the freshman coach who just has a good relationship with his kid because he's known him a while and he trusts him. Like, all right, let's use him. Like he, they're good. I, I don't have to always win those battles. I don't, I want to, I, I, I find myself always going, why can't I get through to that guy? But sometimes you just go, Hey, you know what? He's got a really good relationship that he loves to hit with this guy. So I, I'll just back away and let them have that. And they're good together. So let's roll with that. And, and, you know, I mean, it's just personalities are, are what they are and connections are, are, are sort of sometimes mysterious, but they work. And so just, understanding that going back to your question about you know advice to coaches who are trying to get better at this stuff is just be open to the fact that you might not be the leader on this one you might not be the first person they want to go to and that's okay but create some sort of environment where the where the players have someone to go to to get started on this stuff and, and between all of you everybody knows that, that you'll work through some whatever those things that, that might you know for to add to that too you think about you know like you're just saying you know you're not that guy for that kid but that relationship with that coach that you have that's working underneath of you, you're developing that guy to connect Absolutely. with that kid. So there's that connection where when it comes down to it, we all need each other, you know, and we're all waking each other like right now, 1% better, you know, I mean, we're going to get off this, this podcast here and, and we're all going to walk away and say, man, that was great. We're all developed and changing as coaches. So that's good. Wow, what an amazing episode. Guys, like we said in the intro, we had to break this down into two different podcasts. So stay tuned. Get this digested. Let everybody know about this one we just we just went through with Don, Coach Ferg. And uh, uh, please share the word on this one. But stay tuned for the hitting segment coming here in a week or so. Guys, it'll blow your mind. It was awesome. It was so much fun to be a part of this one. Thank you, Coach Ferg, for being a part of this. Please make sure to check out our sponsors, DevoBats, DevoBats.com. Check out Safeguard and the Tri-Cities. Guys, their stuff is legit. It's perfect. It's great. We're going to be putting it all online here to sell here soon, so check them out. And don't forget Shirtworks here in Ellensburg for the silhouette stuff. So, guys, take care of one another. Until next week, let's get back to baseball. Baseball.